Please sit down. Actually, don't sit down. Because we're going to do something different. I now want you all to move. And I want you to all to go and join um, Saskia at the back there and Amanda. So there you go. Be quick, all of you, bar none. Squeeze together. Keep going right the way towards the west door. If you want to open the west door, do open the west door and stand outside. It's quite warm. Keep going. If you want to push to the sides, you can. Now before I, before I begin, where's Martin? Martin, have we chosen our 12, 12 people yet? Right, okay. Um, right, I will call upon 12 people who I will just choose from random at the appropriate time. Because what we're going to do is normally we do a Bible reading. And we might just do a Bible reading in church and someone would just kind of stand up there. Or sometimes in this type of service we'd do a drama. And so this time what we're going to do is we're all going to be part of the reading. Because this is a, this is a story of, of Joshua. And so I'm going to tell you this story. Now before I tell you this story, you just need to be able to squeeze through so that Amanda and Sa- Aman- so Amanda and Saskia can squeeze through. Because they're the priests. And what they've got there is they've got the Ark of the Covenant. If you don't know what the Ark of the Covenant is, it's kind of like, just stop there, thank you. It's the equivalent of the crown jewels. And don't ever touch the Ark of the Covenant if you're not a priest. Because what happens if you touch the Ark of the Covenant and you're not a priest? That's right, you die. So it's all squashed in. So this is the story, right? Let's transport back. We're going back about 12,000 years. And we're going back to a place that's got an unfortunate name. It's called Shittim. And that is the real, that's the real pronunciation of it. It's the real pronunciation in the Hebrew. And the people of God are all camped there. And they're all camped there because they've been on this long journey. This is a journey that's taken 40 years longer than expected. They've spent 40 years in the desert. And now comes the time when they're going to enter the promised land. The promised land that they've been told about for 40 years. And because it's taken them 40 years, only two of the original cast are still there. One's called Caleb. And he's an old man like some of you. And the other one is called Joshua. And that's me. And I'm, and I'm the leader kind of thing. This is my story, if you like. So I kind of get to make it up as we go on. So let's see how we go on. And so, God speaks to Joshua. And he says, as it was for Moses, so I will be for you. As it was for Moses, so it will be for you. And people are thinking, what on earth does that mean? Well, this is what it meant. Forty years before, 
when Moses was the leader of the group of the people of Israel, and they're rescued from slavery in Egypt, God parted the waters of the Red Sea, and they escaped from Pharaoh and the soldiers. And now, God is going to say to Joshua, this is what I'm now going to do for you. And so, what God says to Joshua is, this is the plan. The plan is the priests are to go first with the Ark of the Covenant. And so if you walk a couple of steps, thank you, stop there. No more than that, that's absolutely fine. And then the rest of the people of God, you are to follow the priests. And so they do that. And on the first night, they arrive by the river. And then the people realize that they've got a problem. How are we going to cross the river? How's that going to happen? Because if you don't know anything about the Jordan River, quick geography lesson here. Remember, this is my story, so I kind of get to say what happens. So I'm like, the Jordan River is right up high. That's where it starts. Right in the mountains of Israel. And it ends right outside in the graveyard, in the lowest point of earth. That, quite literally, is how the river runs. So it runs quite fast, and it's got currents. And, of course, sometimes it's only got a depth of four foot to six foot. But the difference is this is flooding season. So the banks have have risen. And so how are we going to cross? Because there's not just men who can swim, there's women. And there's children. How are we going to swim across this great, big, fast-flowing river? And God says to Joshua, I've got a plan. And so the plan was for the priests to go first. And he said, when the priests reach the water's edge, the waters will part. And then I want the priests to go so far along. So if you go so far along, Stop. And the waters have parted. And then, as the priests stand in the middle of the river, the rest of the people are to follow right the way to the other side. So you've all got to go now from that side up to there to Wendy. Don't touch the ark, remember. I love it how you go so slow because... If you think about it, there were hundreds of thousands of people who made this journey. So like any organized walk, it took longer than expected. Keep going. The ark's getting heavy, so you might need to hurry up. And then, when they reach the other side, 
12 people were appointed. So who wants to be one of the 12? Put your hand up. Right. What you've got to now do is you have to go and pick up a stone. So go and pick up a stone from there while the priest is still in the middle. Right, that's four. Some of these stones are heavy. Don't do what I did once and broke my finger picking one of them up. Right, pick up a stone and bring it back over there. Yep, and just put them in a pile. Keep going, we still need some more priests. Gone. And by the time they've all crossed, it's night time. And so they make camp. And what Joshua does is he gets the priests to make this memorial. This memorial of stones. So much so that for every time that they pass this place, They'll remember what that pile of stones remembers of the time when God parted the river of the river Jordan so that they could enter the promised land. So much so that when their kids go past and they say, what does that pile of stones mean? Or when their, your grandchildren go past and they say, what does that pile of stones mean? Then you can tell them of the day when God did this for us. Right, let's sit down. We can all go back to our pews now. Oh, sorry, I left you in there in the middle. You'll be getting wet. You can go through. Go. Let us pray. So God, as we think briefly about what this story means for us, speak into each one of our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, so have you ever forgotten anything? Anyone ever forgotten maybe the answer in a test that you're doing? It's on the tip of your tongue, but you can't quite quite remember it. Or anyone forgotten someone's name? I I did that the other day, you know. I called someone's husband Dave, and he was called Tom. Mind you, she did say that she always wanted to marry a Dave, but that had nothing nothing to do with it. Or after I'd had my accident in June, I used to suffer from this problem: that I used to walk into a room to go and do something, and then I'd walk out of the room having not done what I was supposed to do. And then remember, I hadn't done it. And I told a few people about that, and they said, Ian, that's got nothing to do with your accident. That's just got everything to do with getting old. I said. But we suffer from 
two memory problems. We're going to look at one this week and one next week on Remembrance Sunday. Here's the memory problem we suffer from today. We forget what we should remember. We forget what we should remember. And so why on earth did Joshua build this memorial? Why on earth did he build this memorial after the events have just happened? Was he scared that the the people of God might forget God? Because that's exactly why he built the pile of stones as a memorial. Because if you know the story of the people of God, not just in the wilderness, but all through the Old Testament, just like we could talk about it all the way through life, It's the story of one long broken record of how the people of God did used to forget God. So much so that when Moses took this Ark of the Covenant and had in it the most precious words that God had ever given the people of Israel in the Ten Commandments, a few hours later they were almost dancing around a golden calf. And so Moses said to the people of God, you forgot, deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you birth. That was what the the people of God were like. They forgot what they should remember about God. And the word that is used there for memorial is the word zikron. It's a Hebrew word. It was used once before on this journey that they'd taken from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. It was on the very beginning of the journey. On the night before, they took this journey out of slavery in Egypt. Once more, this word zikron was used. And it was used in this particular context. That night, before they were to be rescued from slavery... They were to eat a meal. The meal that they were to eat became a very famous meal in the whole of Israel's history. It became known as the Passover meal. Still today, it is the most famous festival, the biggest festival in Judaism. They celebrate it all the time. And what the people of God were to do when they celebrated the first Passover, where they were to remember it, They were to commemorate this meal so much that they would, every year at the same day, they would eat this meal. Kind of like Christmas comes round every year. They would eat this meal. And they'd remember the events of when God rescued them from slavery in Egypt. We forget what we should remember. And now roll forward thousands of years. Thousands of years to another meal. This particular meal was happening in an upper room. It was on the night that they'd celebrated the Passover. And then Jesus took some bread. And he took some bread. And he gave thanks for it. And he gave it to them. And he said, every time you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. 
And then he, he took a cup and he said, every time you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. Why did Jesus say these words? You know, why did he just say, every time you eat this meal, remember me. Every time you drink this cup, remember me. Was he worried that the disciples might forget him? That's exactly what he was worried about. Not that they wouldn't forget Jesus who, because at the end of the day, they'd been with him for three years. They'd been inseparable. They'd left everything to join him. And the next day, they were going to watch him die. What he was scared of is this kind of spiritual forgetfulness. And the word he uses for remember there is really significant. It's the Greek word anamnesis. The negative form of that word is where we get amnesia from. Where we just forget what we should remember. And so what we're going to do now is each of us are going to come up and we're going to take a piece of bread and we're going to take a cup and I don't want you to eat it yet or drink it until we're all back in place. And then I want us to think about three things as we eat them. So as we come up now, if you take a piece of bread and a cup... So you've got a piece of bread and you've got this cup. When Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them and said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And maybe as you eat this bread... And drink this cup, this sign that Jesus talked about, about do you remember? I've got three thoughts to, to leave you with. Firstly, the first one is this. Have we forgotten God? You see, we live in a world where it's very easy to forget God. That he can almost slip our minds. And we can live our lives almost as, as functional atheists. And by that, what I mean is that we live our lives without any reference to him whatsoever, as if he's absent from our hearts. And maybe as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you might think, I need to remember what I've 
may be forgotten. Or the second thought is this, where are you suffering from spiritual amnesia when it comes to God's good character, to his goodness, to his love, to his faithfulness towards you? Because we live in a world where the media would try to portray that God is not loving, that God is not kind, that God is not always there for us, as if he's cruel and capricious. And it's very easy then to fall into the trap, well, God's just good 50% of the time, or 75% of the times, or 99.9% of the times, but there'll be that one moment when he's not. But actually, God is good always. He loves us unconditionally. He's faithful to us always. So where in our lives, perhaps, particularly if we're going through a a difficult time, it can be easy to forget that God is not there with us. And there can be this disconnect between what our head is thinking and our heart is saying. So where have we maybe suffering from spiritual amnesia in terms of who God is? And then the third thought is this. As you eat this bread, as you drink this cup, where is your pile of rocks? Where is your pile of rocks of remembering when God was with you? Because real remembering, if it's done right, what was real once before becomes real once again. And by that I mean this. When you go through a particular time in your life, it could be a great time, it could be a really bad time. Often what happens at that time is there's a song. There's a song that you kind of resonate with that kind of sums up your experiences that you're going through at that time. And so much so that even thousands of years later, you could be halfway around the world and you hear that song and it takes you exactly right back to that time. And those same feelings that you had then, those same thoughts that you had there, come back straight away. What was real once before becomes real once again. And real remembering... If it's done right, takes us back to what was real once before becomes real once again. So much so that the God who was present at that meal at the Passover with the people of Israel, the God who was there when that first pile of rocks was built at the Jordan River to remember when God parted the waves, the God who was there when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me that first time, It's the same God who's with you and me in this moment. And we have this pile of rocks. This pile of rocks of memories where we remember when God loved us. When we remembered how when God blessed us. When we remember that God was good for us and God bailed us out of a situation that nobody else could. It could be the moment when you realized in your heart that Jesus loved you and you knew it was real. And so we eat this bread and we drink this cup in remembrance Of what Jesus did for us.
Let us pray. Gracious God, you know us better than we know ourselves. And so, as we have eaten this bread, as we have drinking this cup, that you told us that we should always celebrate to remember you. So we pause to think of those three areas. Where we might have forgotten what we need to remember about you, Lord. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. And as we do our remembering now, we pray for for two people. Lord, for whom our remembering would be significant for them and the journeys that they go through at this time. And so we pray for, for, for Sandy Wildman in the hospice this morning. And we pray for, for Ben's uncle David who's fighting cancer in London. Lord, remember them as you remember us now here, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.